Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Coconino National Forest in Arizona stretches across a vast expanse, its beauty mingling with the whispers of ancient legends. Deep within the woods, where the light battles to penetrate the thick foliage, stories of peculiar cryptids have been whispered for generations, stories of dogmen, elusive Bigfoot, and eerie crawlers lurking in the shadows. It is in this mysterious realm that our story unfolds. Meet Hillary, a young park ranger whose name was given to her by a father who harbored an irrational disdain for Hillary Clinton. Abandoned by her father, she forged her own path and found solace in the wild. Assigned to a remote watchtower nestled deep in the heart of the Coconino Forest, Hillary spends her nights scanning the wilderness, alert for any signs of danger. One fateful night, as the moon bathes the forest in its pale glow, a distress call crackles through the radio. A lost hiker pleads for assistance, disoriented in the labyrinthine trails. Hillary, ever dutiful, guides him back to safety, her heart pounding with a mix of relief and concern. But their journey takes an unexpected turn when they stumble upon an abandoned cabin, hidden amongst the towering trees. Curiosity tinged with unease, they cautiously step inside, their flashlights cutting through the gloom. Their breath catches in their throats as they discover the lifeless form of a police officer, clutching a journal in his hand. The pages, filled with trembling handwriting, reveal a harrowing tale the officer's account of the gruesome discovery of ten bodies near the cabin. The corpses, stripped of flesh, bear the marks of a predator that devoured them to the core. Fear creeps into their hearts, tendrils of unease coiling around their minds, they step outside, drawn by morbid curiosity, to where the first body was found. Illuminated by the moon's ethereal light, they inspect the bones, haunted by the macabre scene. Suddenly, a branch snaps, the sound echoing through the silence of the forest. They turn in unison, eyes wide with trepidation. Above them looms a creature, 
towering and monstrous, a figure reminiscent of the Bigfoot, but far angrier and stronger. Without warning, it pounces upon the hapless hiker, his screams piercing the night. Hillary, her instincts kicking in, throws herself to the side, narrowly evading the creature's wrath. Desperation floods her senses as she fumbles for her firearm. The first shot reverberates through the air, followed by five more, each one hitting its mark. But the beast seems impervious to the bullets, its hide impenetrable. With each failed attempt to halt the creature's rampage, Hillary watches in horror as it ends the hiker's life, leaving only the hollow shell of what once was. Suddenly, the creature turns its attention towards the park ranger, its primal growls echoing with a bone-chilling ferocity. A shiver of terror courses through Hillary's veins, but she stands her ground, the gun trembling in her hands. With an enigmatic growl, the creature retreats, vanishing into the depths of the forest, leaving behind a trail of blood and dread. Scared and shaken, Hillary hastily reaches for her radio, her voice quivering as she calls for backup. At dawn, a team arrives a mixture of police and search and rescue personnel. Together, they comb the area, only to discover the grisly truth ten lifeless bodies, exactly as Hillary had described. But their response is met with skepticism, their belief in the fantastical tale waning. Haunted by the night's harrowing events, Hillary finds herself alone in her conviction, left to grapple with the horrors she witnessed. The truth, like the enigmatic creatures that haunt the Coconino National Forest, remains obscured, buried beneath layers of disbelief and fear. But within her, the echoes of that dreadful night continue to resonate, forever shaping her perception of the wilderness she once loved. Hi everyone. My partner and I just got back from a long camping trip in northern Arizona. Marble Canyon, Vermilion Cliffs, and finally in the Kaibab National Forest, where this encounter took place. We were driving off-roading all day on the forest roads deep in the forest, near the north rim of the Grand Canyon. We were hunting hard for the perfect camping spot, and it was starting to get dark and my partner was getting frustrated. So we told ourselves, we'll go to the end of the next trail and camp there. Unfortunately, where that trail ended was at an expansive burn-scar forest that was completely wiped out by fire last summer. Very few living trees remained standing. It was spooky, but we decided to make the best of the situation. After getting camp set up and eating dinner, we were just hanging out by the fire. We started hearing some snapping branches in the woods and light up our flashlights. We see nothing. I grab my shotgun just in case. At this point, we're trying to be as quiet as possible, listening very intently to the woods. It was a clear night, but no moon. It was very dark beyond the reaches of the firelight. Then we hear what sounds like a whisper of a woman. We try so hard to make out the words, but it sounded foreign, like another language. It shortly thereafter grows to a crying sound, then turns to wailing, like someone in incredible pain. We were absolutely terrified at this point. The sound eventually stops, and we started to feel very unwelcome and very cold. We knew immediately this was a very strange paranormal experience, but not sure if this like a skinwalker or maybe just a ghost. What do you think? I travel often for work, and I was driving through New Mexico on I-40. I drive about 40-50 thousand miles a year, and I have never seen anything paranormal. I have driven this route, but not for about four years. I'm driving west on I-40 and out of the blue, I spotted a blur moving down the hill mountain at a ridiculously fast speed. In a span of about five seconds, my brain did its best to make sense of what I was seeing. Coyote was the first thing that came to mind the way it was moving looked like a canine. The next thing I realized was that this thing was huge, maybe the size of a horse. I've often seen horses run down the fence lines on hills, and that was my next thought. But the shape was wrong. The speed was also way off. This creature was flying down the side of this mountain. 
The whole time I'm really not feeling anything but confusion and nothing is really registering as off just because it's happening so fast. I have a thought that we are going to meet at a point about two to three hundred yards down the road. So I think to myself when I drive by I'll get a closer look. When I passed where we should have met, there was nothing. No fence, no houses, nothing to explain a horse. There was no sign of the animal, like it just ran through a portal or something. There were no shrubs, trees, or anything that could have hidden the animal. At this point, I got a very eerie sense of dread like I had to get away. I pulled into a gas station about 30 men down the road. This is what really creeped me out. I felt like I couldn't trust anyone. I had this uncomfortable feeling of mistrust and suspicion. I felt like everyone I came across knew what I saw. Normal everyday people, it's like I felt I was going to run into someone or something dangerous. I drove on through Gallup and up to Shiprock and into Cortez. I can't shake the feeling of fear and couldn't bring myself to shower late at night in a strange hotel. I've never been one to believe in paranormal stories, but I just can't explain to myself what this was. I keep thinking about it and I just can't logically explain it. Horse-sized wolf canine dari gray hair with white belly. Fast, extremely fast. Has anyone ever seen anything similar in the area? I'm from Texas, never been around reservations or Native America much. I'm just very confused and would like to hear about anything similar. I had always been drawn to the wilderness, the quiet solitude of the forest, the thrill of the hunt. It was a primal calling that had been ingrained in me since childhood, and no matter how much the world around me changed, the wilderness remained my sanctuary. So when the opportunity arose for a weekend hunting trip deep into the heart of a supposedly haunted forest in New Mexico, I couldn't resist the challenge. The forest was known by locals as El Bosque Encantado, the Enchanted Forest, and tales of strange happenings had swirled around it for generations. Disappearances, eerie lights, and unsettling whispers were just some of the stories that made brave hunters and curious adventurers approach it with caution. But I, Larry, was never one to back down from a challenge. Armed with my trusty rifle and a backpack filled with supplies, I ventured into the heart of this enigmatic woodland. The forest swallowed me whole as I ventured deeper into its depths, the trees towering above me like ancient sentinels. It was a dense, dark labyrinth that seemed to absorb sound and light, casting an eerie gloom over everything. The air was thick with tension, and even the soft rustling of leaves sent shivers down my spine. As I stalked my prey a majestic buck that would be the envy of every hunter I began to notice strange occurrences. My compass spun wildly, refusing to point in any one direction, rendering it useless in this maze of trees. The wind seemed to whisper secrets in a language I couldn't understand, and shadows moved in the periphery of my vision, just beyond reach. I chalked it up to fatigue and the natural unease that often accompanies solitary hunting trips. But as the hours passed, the phenomena escalated. Strange symbols etched into the bark of trees, glowing with an otherworldly light, appeared before me, guiding me deeper into the heart of the forest. It was as if some invisible force was luring me further into its clutches. Night descended upon the forest, and the darkness was absolute. The usual sounds of nocturnal creatures were absent, replaced by a profound stillness that sent a shiver down my spine. My campfire provided little comfort as I sat with my back to a massive tree, my rifle clutched tightly in my trembling hands. That's when I saw it a figure, or perhaps a shadow, moving among the trees. It was neither human nor animal, its shape shifting and ethereal. I felt a cold sweat break out on my brow as a deep sense of dread washed over me. It was as if the very forest itself had taken form to challenge my presence. I raised my rifle, aiming at the elusive figure, but it seemed to dissipate like smoke, reappearing at will. Panic seized me, and I fired wildly into the night. The forest answered with eerie laughter, echoing through the trees like a mocking chorus. Terrified and disoriented, I fled through the dark woods, guided only by instinct. The forest seemed to shift and change around me, as if the very earth beneath my feet was a living, malevolent force. 
I stumbled upon a clearing, bathed in the pale light of the moon, and collapsed onto the ground, gasping for breath. As dawn broke, I emerged from the enchanted forest, battered and shaken, my mind filled with the haunting memories of that dreadful night. I had survived, but I had witnessed things that defied all logic and reason. The haunted forest had tested my beliefs, my courage, and my very understanding of the natural world. I returned home, haunted by the supernatural experiences I had endured, and struggled to find the words to share my ordeal with others. They would never understand the terror I had faced in that dense, haunted wilderness, where the line between reality and the supernatural had blurred, and where the forest itself seemed to come alive to challenge the souls brave enough to enter its depths. My first time hunting in a deer stand by myself as opposed to hunting with my father. I was 14 at the time and very excited to be trusted to hunt alone. Well being the stupid 14 year old I was, I forgot to bring a flashlight and had to walk about one quarter mile down a trail to the main trail where I would get picked up. So there I am walking down this dark trail in the middle of the woods alone. I am not scared of the dark, but naturally it is very quiet and any normal human would be a touch jumpy. Well what I didn't know at the time was that turkeys sleep in the top of trees. I just assumed they spent their whole life on the ground and only flew when absolutely necessary. So imagine my surprise when I walk directly underneath one and feet over my head, a full-grown turkey takes off full speed through the top of the tree yelping. I physically jumped in the air and absolutely froze with fear. My 14-year-old brain could not find the directory with turkey listed as a possible outcome so for 10 seconds. I was completely frozen in fear trying to figure out what I just heard. Needless to say, when I told the story to my dad later, he got the biggest laugh out of it and explained to my city boy self that turkeys sleep in treetops. Texas Hunter here. I've been hunting for a few years so I've seen my fair share of weird shit. Rabbits killed by coyotes among other things. Bobcat screams are also pretty freaky. But one day while walking on my property through the woods I heard some branches quietly break about 30 yards ahead. Nothing too weird about that as rabbits and coyotes bump into them all the time. It happened again but this time a little closed and to my right side. I unholstered my .45 XDS. I like the compact version because it feels better. Ready to shoot a hungry coyote. The day before my neighbor told me how a few women in Little Elm got mauled by some pissed off coyotes a few days earlier, so I was ready to shoot. Anyways, I shined my flashlight through the trees and didn't see anything. Kept walking but a little faster and I heard a high scream with low undertones. Didn't sound like nothing I've ever heard before. I swear it sounded like a bobcat f-ed Batman. Took off sprinting back to my house a mile or so away. I'm near the woods tree line and look back to see a hunched shadow 40 yards behind staring at me. Like a person trying to walk on all four us. It was dark so it might have been my imagination. Noped the F out and got to my house. Never seen it since and didn't sleep for a few nights. At the time I wasn't hunting, I liked to go for nighttime walks to clear my head. But I never go without my gun. Stay safe and be careful because I don't know what it was. Hello. Have you ever heard about the real stories of Okinawa ghosts? Having personally experienced numerous eerie moments while working in the now abandoned Naval Hospital Okinawa, I can attest to the lingering presence of the supernatural. The hospital, now a mere empty shell, stands on Camp Lester, but its basement harbors a haunting secret, an enduring reminder of its gruesome past. Blood stains still mar the walls, bearing witness to the horrors that once unfolded within. During my fourth year, just before my permanent change of station PCS, I had a spine-chilling encounter. One of the janitors, a sweet elderly Japanese man who had been a part of the hospital for decades, took me down to the basement. He revealed to me that it had been the morgue, a place where he had witnessed unspeakable sights. 
He recounted how he had painstakingly collected body parts that had fallen out of the body bags. The gruesome memories of the hospital's early days had left an indelible mark on his soul. However, it was my own personal experience on the fifth deck ramp that truly sent shivers down my spine. I often ascended the stairs to assist with labor and delivery, and the hospital had ramps in place to facilitate movement during typhoons or elevator malfunctions. It was on one such occasion that I found myself transporting a peacefully sleeping mother to the postpartum ward. As I glanced out of the window, an image froze me in my tracks ahead, a floating head right outside the window. The sight was undeniably terrifying. Others had witnessed it too, confirming my belief that I was not alone in this eerie encounter. Yet, despite the corroboration of others, I could not shake off the feeling of unease that gripped me whenever the memory resurfaced. In my mind, I attributed it to the exhaustion and sleep deprivation that often plagued those who worked within the hospital's haunted halls. About ten years ago, I was home alone, sitting in the den watching TV. The doorway to the den opened up into a hallway, and just across the hallway and offset a little ways was the doorway that went into the kitchen. Setting in my recliner, I could see into the hallway, and if I leaned back enough, I could see partway into the kitchen. So anyway, I'm sitting there watching TV and I hear something. I look into the hallway and don't laugh, there's a pecan rolling down the hallway. My first reaction is, there's someone in the kitchen messing with me. I lean back and look into the kitchen, there's no one there. On the far side of the kitchen is another door that goes into another hallway that if you take a right it goes out back. A left will take you out front into the carport. I get up and go look. Both doors are shut and locked and no one around. I picked up the pecan, put it back in the bucket which was sitting in the hallway by the back door, and go back to my recliner. A few minutes later another pecan goes rolling down the hallway. I bolted out of my chair like my butt was on fire trying to catch whoever was doing it. Same story, no one around but me, and both doors were still shut and locked. Now I guess is the time to say, I'm not a believer in ghosts, but I'm having second thoughts. I put the pecan back in the bucket, check the doors one more time and go back to my chair. Just a few more minutes in my chair and another pecan goes rolling down the hallway. I get up. Go pick up the pecan and outload, I said. Okay, I'm tired of picking up your shit, stop it now. I put the pecan back in the bucket, went back to my chair and nothing ever happened again. To this day, I still don't know what was doing it. My youngest daughter swears the house was haunted. She claims to have woken up in the middle of the night with someone, a man, standing at the foot of her bed watching her. He was dressed in a Civil War uniform. I never asked her if he was from the north or south. She said he never made any attempt to harm her. She just put her head under the covers, and after a few minutes he'd be gone. But it happened enough that it spooked her pretty good. Her bedroom was upstairs. She wouldn't go to her bedroom at night if she was the only one at home. Instead, she'd stay in the living room with every light in the house on, and the front door open for a fast getaway. A few days ago, I met with one of my friends from school at a local cafe, and this is when I was doing my shift. He had ordered a latte when I had recognized him. He had also recognized me when he looked right at me. We chatted pleasantries while I made coffee to know that he was now a park ranger. I was interested and asked him to tell me more about his job after my shift. After my shift had ended, I walked over to his table while he was reading a book. He began telling me about how he first loved his job, but recently had been having some strange supernatural occurrences that creeped him out. He was even considering resigning. I asked him what he saw, and he told me about some things that he had seen that were very concerning. One day near dusk, he was patrolling the park along with three of the rangers. They walked and patrolled the stream that flows in the park so they don't get lost. When it was completely dark, they turned back towards the cabins of the park rangers. As they were walking, they saw a big creature just a few feet away from them. It was almost eight feet tall with thick hands and feet. It nearly matched the description of a Bigfoot, 
except it had the head of a lion. My friend and his co-workers got so scared they began running towards the cabin, blindly shooting behind them. The creature was so thick and heavy that it could not run as fast as them, struggling to keep up. Soon they started to see bright lights shining outside the cabin every night as it came closer. When they reached the cabin door and looked back, there was no creature in sight, especially not the Bigfoot-looking lion. They told the whole occurrence to the rest of the rangers. They did not believe them at first, but one of the rangers said he believed them since he also saw something unnatural a few days back. Only he didn't dare to share. He thought it was just his imagination. On asking him what he saw, he told them he saw a small creature almost one foot tall with thin stick-like arms and legs. Totally opposite to what my friend and the other rangers had seen that patrolled around with him. I was shocked to hear these types of creatures existed and advised him to resign and get a job that's away from the supernatural. He said that no job is away from the supernatural as they could always shape shift or choose to be invisible if they wish. So even my job of serving coffee, I could have an encounter with anything unnatural. In 2013, I, Officer Torg, managed to secure an actual live DNA sample from a livestock kill while investigating the supposed Lizardman case out in Bishopville, South Carolina. It was 8.1 a.m. when I responded to several calls reporting a large unknown predator supposedly killing livestock. Upon arriving and following standard protocol for such a call, I quickly realized the severity of the situation. I established a perimeter around the kill site to keep onlookers away. At 8.20 a.m., I obtained saliva from an unknown source on one of the cattle. I reported that it was not possible to tell if it was human or animal. By 9.30 a.m., all the evidence had been gathered and moved to the evidence room, awaiting analysis. I was told that I would have the DNA results in approximately three weeks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. As always, I strongly urged anybody with information regarding this incident to please report to their local authorities immediately so these investigations could be taken care of under proper jurisdiction. Additionally, two young men reportedly saw what they described as a lizardman along a very rural road in eastern South Carolina on Sunday night. According to reports, these two 19-year-old men were driving along a stretch of highway near Bishopville when they came across something in the road. They turned around and saw what they described as a seven-foot-tall lizardman and quickly drove off. When asked for further comment, they both insisted that this was no man in a costume, but a real-life lizardman. They believed it must have been the same one seen back in the 80s by the young man who had his own sighting in Skateboard Swamp in 1984. We were out in a state park tent camping, not far from civilization at all. Three of us. After drinking a bit too much and some other partying, we hiked a bit up the mountain behind our camp. Stupid. It was pitch black with a very steep incline. About 30 minutes into the hike, in the middle of nowhere, we see a structure. It's a door and not much else. The door is built into a brick building. It had four walls, but the structure was so small and built just for the door. The front was about six feet wide, and then from front to back it was probably two feet. I know it doesn't sound that creepy, but when you find a closed door on a tiny brick building, throw in the partying, and it becomes really, really creepy. Turns out the door was unlocked. So we open it, and there's no floor inside, but a ladder going down. You bet your ass none of us had the balls to go down. We dropped some rocks that took quite a while to hit the bottom. No splash, just a solid smack of rock against concrete. 
Sorry for the boring ending, but there wasn't much more to the story. Shit was real strange though. It was a long time ago, I have no recollection of where it was, so if I wanted to ever go back I'm Saul. I am Jay, a 28-year-old warehouse worker, prefer to keep my last name anonymous. The event I'm about to share took place while I was hunting with my dog in a rural area I refer to as Black Bay, Florida. I've only recently felt confident enough to tell this story. I've kept it to myself and close family for a very long time. After several hours, I decided it was time to head back home before it became too dark to find my way. As we made our way through the fields, I hopped the last fence and waited for my large dog to squeeze through the gate. We were about 20 feet away from the start of the path when I heard a whoop on one side, followed by a sharp whistle on the adjacent side. Initially, I thought the sounds were birds, but as the unidentified sounds continued, I realized something else was going on. I took a few more steps, and suddenly, something let out a deep growl followed by a yell. It stunned me and confused me. I had never heard anything remotely close to that before. I managed to catch a glimpse of something reddish-brown crossing the path, although it wasn't much taller than me. As the noise subsided, I mustered the courage to make my way through the path and finally reach my residence. The only way home was through the path that this creature had just crossed. The sun was almost down, so it was a moment of flight or fight, and I chose flight. When I arrived home, my mother noticed that something was wrong. She was outside collecting clothes off the line and asked if I had heard a strange noise coming from that direction, but I couldn't reply. I was still in shock. At the time, I hadn't heard much about Bigfoot, but I knew that what I saw that day wasn't your average local wildlife. It was possibly a family of ape-like creatures crossing the path, and I have a theory. Now I understand that what I encountered was a family because I heard three vocalizations that evening. Back then, it was hard to understand what was happening, but now I believe I must have come between the juvenile and the adult. That's why they distracted me and ultimately scared the living crap out of me, to ensure I didn't hurt their young. Living my life in central West Virginia, I have spent a lot of time hunting in the Monongahela National Forest. While bow hunting in a stand of red spruce on October 31st, yes, Halloween, this happened to me. This takes place back when portable stands had a chain that wrapped around the tree and fall protection consisted of two pieces of seat belt material one around the tree ran through the other wrapped around your waist. I was in the stand overlooking a small creek and had watched a couple of doe walk by and decided to stay until full darkness. The moon had risen early so there was some light and I had a flashlight in my pack. As I was getting ready to lower my bow, I heard loud winged beats heading towards me through the spruce trees, when all of a sudden a very large owl landed on a branch about ten yards from me. I sat motionless watching the owl as it sat there watching me. After several minutes I slowly turned my head to look back to the creek to check for deer one more time before climbing down. All of a sudden I heard wing beats again and the owl was flying straight towards me with talons extended. I threw my arms up, dropping my bow in the process, and screamed at the demon owl who was trying to knock me to the ground. Fortunately, the owl veered away from me, and I didn't fall out of the tree. After a few minutes, I regained my composure, packed up, and walked out to my truck without any more harrowing experiences. Nearly a year ago, the people living along the riverfront near Preston were set agog by the appearance in the woods of a strange being in human form. When discovered by a party of hunters on his all fours pawing and neighing like a horse, their attention was first attracted by what they took to be the whining of a startled horse in the undergrowth. When advanced upon, the strange being ran off on his hands and feet but the pursuers gained upon him so rapidly he sprang to his feet and quickly covering the short distance to the river, plunged headlong from a rather high bank into the water and swam to the Indian side. When he reached that bank he stood up, shook himself like a horse just out of a bath, and with what might really be called a horse laugh ran off into the woods. 
Some months later, he was seen under much the same conditions, but this time west of Woodville on the Indian side. Only a few weeks ago, a man crawled across the road in plain view of several people, not far from where the horseman was first seen but disappeared, the pursuit being somewhat tardy. Since Sunday last, the people living near Colbert, 10 miles east of Preston, Grayson County, Texas, have been hunting for a strangely acting man who crawled about like a snake until pursued, when he would jump to his feet and outrun the fastest horses ridden after him. Others who pursued him on foot say they shot at him at close range, but the bullets, if they struck their target, seemed to have no effect. As late as last evening, children claimed to have seen the crawling man again near the Varner Place, six miles from Colbert. A phone message from Colbert this afternoon confirms previous reports sent out from Durant about the state of excitement and the gathering of several parties for pursuit, but states that public interest has received something of a chill because some of the parties who were present when the close-range shots were tired say that although the peculiar being was in the open and very close, that he disappeared with the smoke of the powder. At the Varner place, he crawled into the hen house. It is stated that out in the field, a dead chicken, bitten in the neck, and from which there was the appearance of the blood having been drawn, was found. Though with somewhat reduced enthusiasm, the people of the Varner neighborhood are preparing for another big roundup this afternoon and tonight. It was the time leading up to Easter, and our family was residing on a sprawling ranch near Molala, Oregon. Life on the ranch revolved around tending to our cattle, chickens, turkeys, and pigs. One particular evening, as we made our way home, the headlights illuminated an astonishing sight. In the glow, we caught a glimpse of a rare albino Bigfoot, crouched behind some bushes, attempting to conceal itself. But it was too late. We had already laid eyes on the extraordinary creature. Standing at an impressive seven feet tall, it sported long, flowing hair that cascaded down its body, reaching an astonishing length of eight to nine inches. The hair, a light green color, was a striking contrast against the darkness of the night. In that moment, my mom jokingly remarked, looks like the Easter Bunny's back again. It seemed that this was becoming somewhat of an annual tradition, the third consecutive year that we had encountered the white Bigfoot, always around the Easter season. It would linger in the vicinity for several consecutive nights, evidenced by the howling of our dogs. Our ranch was located near the town of Colton, which had been mentioned earlier, making it a close neighbor to these mysterious encounters. Each sighting left us in awe and wonder, with the enigmatic presence of the white Bigfoot becoming a part of our Easter festivities, adding an element of excitement and intrigue to the season. When in the RAF I was based at Scampton, this was the base where the Dambusters raid was launched from and a bomber command airfield during the war. I was on guard duty one night and had a phone call around 2 a.m. about noises coming from one of the hangars. Sent a guard to investigate, he radios back and says he can hear voices mumbling and what sounds like machinery operating and tools clanging, etc. I got out the keys to the hangar and on driving up sure enough, there were such noises going on and the occasional flickering light. We called in the RAF police dogs, but the land shark refused to go in. This highly trained attack dog lay down, whimpered and refused to listen to its handler. I went in with the guard and the RAF policeman and can only describe the feeling on entering the hangar floor as being surrounded in a cold fog that you couldn't see and a real feeling of dread. There was a real feeling of unhappiness in the place. I have never felt like that since, nor do I ever want to. We hightailed it out as it was secure, and there was clearly no one there. Found out about a year or so later, when speaking to some visiting Bomber Command veterans, that it was a hangar used in the war for battle repairs on the damaged aircraft. And sometimes were aircraft which had crew members killed in them, and sometimes it took some time to either extract their bodies or gather up the bits, would be taken to be cleaned. I have been back to Scampton since, but I give that hangar a very wide berth. My father had always been drawn to the great outdoors. 
Growing up, he would often accompany my grandfather on their expeditions, exploring various places with a sense of curiosity that seemed to run in the family. It was no surprise that my father eventually became a park ranger, immersing himself in the beauty of nature and creating countless memories for our family. There was a particular holiday season when the National Park welcomed an influx of tourists seeking adventure. Some were simply looking for a fun experience, while others were engaged in field research. Among them was a team of five researchers, a group that stood out with their intelligence and sanity, surpassing even the most educated of visitors. Late one night, my father received a distress signal on his walkie-talkie from one of his fellow researchers. Equipped with his trusty rifle, he embarked on a mission to investigate. As the terrain became impassable for his jeep, they continued on foot, deciding to split up and search in two different directions to cover more ground. To ensure their safety and avoid getting lost, they tied ribbons along their respective paths yellow for my father and blue for one of his partners. As my father ventured deeper into the woods, he found no trace of the rest of the group. Attempting to contact his partner through the walkie-talkie proved futile. There was no response. Undeterred, he pressed on, tying ribbons along the way. However, he began to notice something peculiar. He kept encountering yellow ribbons tied to trees, suggesting that he might have taken a different route than he intended. After a brief rest under a tree, he examined one of the ribbons more closely and realized it wasn't the same ribbon he had tied earlier. These ribbons appeared weathered and worn, and unlike his single knot, these were double knotted. This raised a sense of unease within him. The area they were in was restricted, reserved for important personnel only. Who could have journeyed this far and tied these yellow ribbons? Determined to unravel the mystery, my father decided to follow these unfamiliar markers, hoping they would lead him to the correct ones. As he retraced his steps, he heard faint sounds and noticed flickering lights emanating from a certain direction. Curiosity got the better of him, and he cautiously approached the source of the commotion. To his horror, he stumbled upon a group of researchers wearing bizarre attire, engaged in a macabre dance around a central fire. Four individuals were present, but one was conspicuously missing. Hidden behind a tree, my father observed as two members of the group emerged from the woods, carrying a large wooden branch with a man bound to it. The man's hands and legs were tightly secured, and it was evident that he had met a grim fate he had been prepared for some horrific ritual cooked alive. Shaken by what he had witnessed, my father attempted to contact his partner for assistance, yet no response came. Realizing the danger he was in, he decided to make his escape. As he turned to flee, he sensed a lingering presence, something lurking in the shadows. These cannibalistic murderers were still pursuing him. In a desperate attempt to divert their attention, my father climbed up a tree, silently praying that they would leave. From his vantage point, he observed their ghastly appearance emaciated, white-skinned creatures resembling humans, but with grotesque features. Their hollowed-out eyes and elongated fangs sent chills down his spine. Finally, they dispersed, unaware of his hidden perch. Carefully descending the tree, my father cautiously scanned his surroundings, ensuring the creatures were gone. Exhausted and drained, he began to lose consciousness. It was then that he realized he had been poisoned, some unknown substance seeping into his skin. Collapsing onto the forest floor, his next recollection was waking up in a hospital bed. When my father recounted the harrowing incident to senior officials, they dismissed his claims and denied any clearance he had held. It wasn't long after that he was stripped of his position as a park ranger, stripped of everything he had worked for in his career. Subsequently, he received multiple death threats, a grim reminder of the sensitive information he possessed and the things he had seen that fateful day an ominous secret that could never be allowed to reach the public. I grew up on an Indian reservation here in Oklahoma. I am Cherokee Indian. Our home was by a massive cave system and in the middle of two hills. There is a cave on the property that everyone on the reservation knows Sasquatch exists. It is common knowledge where we come from. 
We would know their moods just by the sounds he made. When he was upset, you would know it because his anger would be heard throughout the whole reservation. People talked about it in casual conversation. For instance, did you hear Sasquatch upset last night, etc. My grandparents told me not to fear him because they had a pact with him and he would not harm us. All was good until more Sasquatch came. These were evil ones, not the same as the Sasquatch that had always been there. He had been run off from the territory, we believe. I had to walk down a long dirt road to get to my school bus. They would chase me up in the woods, whooping and throwing rocks at me. I was terrified and I got a feeling they wanted to hurt me. It kept getting worse. I refused to even walk to school after that. At night when my cousins would come over, we would all play outside in the front yard. These new Sasquatch would gather around in the hills with their glowing red eyes and watch us. I know if our parents would have not been out there, they would have taken us and harmed us. I could feel it. I could sense their body and their bad intentions. I told my family that they were bad. My uncle did not listen. He went for a walk alone to the water, which was like a mile and a half from his house. He was drowned in knee-deep water and was an avid swimmer. No wounds, just a mysterious death. But I knew they killed him. He was the first of many unknown mysterious deaths that started to occur by the water. In that area, the person was always alone. It was always a mystery. I'm glad I stuck with my gut feelings because they were getting more aggressive every day that I walked to school. I believe my instincts saved my life. To this day, they are still killing people in the area. The person is always alone and the death is always a mystery. But I know and so do the other people on the reservation. Always follow your instincts. I'll send you more stories at a later date. Thank you for reading. Back to Creepy. This was out by a campground of several natural springs. A friend and I same buddy from before decided to strike out and go explore some very dilapidated and ancient looking farm structures we'd seen earlier in the day. We decided to go at night because F being sane, right? It was a small cluster of buildings far off next to some woods. We hiked through the brush to get there, but there was also a really torn up, weed choked dirt road that led to it. The buildings were completely decrepit and looked like they were going to collapse if we breathed too hard. We went to the biggest barn-like building and immediately began to smell death. As we got to the interior, we noticed some really unnerving things. First, despite the fact that these buildings no longer had any functional purpose, it was clear that people still went out there. There were fresh footprints that did not belong to us. Second, there seemed to be blood spattered all over the place. Third, there were pieces of wood that had been sharpened into crude, short stakes that were absolutely drenched in blood. Fourth, there were scattered clumps of what looked to me at least to be human hair. Lastly, it looked like someone had used the blood-stained stakes to try and scrawl something on a couple walls and on a load-bearing post in the center of the building. I couldn't make it out, probably better that way. So yeah, we decided to GTFO immediately. We decided to leave via a slightly different route because we were ultra paranoid that someone was watching and would follow us back to camp. As we made our way back, we hit a truly putrid wall of that death stench again. We found the source. It was the rear half of a calf. Just the rear half. The front half was absolutely nowhere in sight. The worst thing about it, though, is that this animal was cut clean in half. It did not look like an animal attack at all. No other wounds, just perfectly snipped in half. We made it back to camp and left the next morning. I was 16, 17, around 2009, with a group of friends, eight of us maybe walking down my block in Forest Park, Illinois, heading towards one of my friend's house. It was summer, around 9 p.m. The sun was already set. Once we made it to the end of my block at an intersection, perched atop of 20 feet street light was a figure. Humanoid, definitely, but with wings standing relatively still. I and all of my friends saw it. Started out it for maybe a few seconds. All muttering WTF, 
After those seconds of collective confusion, the thing spread its wings fully. I don't think either of us saw it fly off or anything because the moment it did that, we all took off running. Half of us one way and the other half another. Guessing neither of us has ever run that fast in our lives, I eventually made it to the friend's house we were originally intending to get to. Obviously, we were freaked out, asking each other WTF did we just see. Honestly, really not talking about it too much after the situation. I'm 29 now. None of those friends that I still keep in contact with remember seeing red eyes. But everything else was the same as how the Mothman is described. At this time, neither of us had even heard of the Mothman, or even that there has been a sighting in the Chicago area. But I, without a doubt, know what I saw was real, because the group saw the exact same thing at the exact same moment. If I was by myself, I don't know if I would have believed it. Honestly, we were out of there so fast that I couldn't pick up much of the vibes that it gave off. All I know is that wasn't an owl, a crane, or a drone. It kind of reminded me of the creature from the Jeepers Creepers film, if you know of that movie. Not a scary one, but it was definitely pretty awesome to me. I saw fresh deer signs going into this meadow through some aspen when I was out for an early morning hike. I approached the clearing from downwind and made my way toward it almost imperceptibly slow. The grass in the clearing was ridiculously tall and lush and covered in cool dew, and I could see why the deer would have found this so attractive on a summer morning. I made my way into the grass and got near into the middle when I saw a six-point buck come out from behind some trees on the other side. He looked at me for a minute and knocked his antlers a little bit against a tree. I didn't want to get him riled so I lowered myself into the grass. When I did that the whole herd of does quietly stood up all around me. They were bedded in the grass and I couldn't see them. They didn't seem spooked at all and just lazily started to make their way out of the clearing. A small doe strolled by so close in fact that I almost wanted to touch her. Just a really serene and beautiful sight.